Thank you for the introduction, Tim. And likewise, uh, thank you everyone for taking the time out of your day to attend today's training. Uh, my hope is that I can show you how we can use both Omicsoft Studio as well as Ingenuity Pathway Analysis to kind of explore public data, come up with a really interesting gene signature, and then maybe explore that a little bit. For today's training, I do have to give a heads up. The things I'm showing today are intended for research use only. I also uh, have two colleagues on the call. In addition to Tim, uh, I also have uh, my fellow field application scientist, Kristen O'Malley. And together, they are answering questions in the, the Q&A box. So if you have any questions whatsoever, please feel free to uh, ask them in that Q&A box. Sorry for that weird Zoom there. Likewise, uh, I have a few polls that I'll be asking during the meeting. So for example, the pre-meeting poll has uh, told me that many of you have never used Omicsoft Studio before. So one, welcome. Two, I'll be sure to go slow just to make sure that we look at those features carefully. And then finally, uh, we will email a copy of the recording, but again, you can always access it by re-clicking on the registration link. So what are the things that I want to show today? Like, how do you begin studying inflammatory conditions? So when looking at public data, one of the nice things about it is that we've taken the time to really manually curate a lot of metadata fields, fields like what is the disease state of any given study? or what kind of comparison is it? Has it been treated with anything? And because of this, we're able to really easily drill down into specific diseases and specific uh, treatments across all of these public data sets. So for example, if I search for atopic dermatitis and I want to focus explicitly on dupilumab, I'm able to do that. And doing that, I'm able to find RNA-seq data sets, I'm able to find microarray data, and once I've found these data sets that fit our criteria, I can then actually dig into and explore them, see if I can pull out uh, any kind of useful signature. The reason that this might be uh, really useful to you guys in the field is, I mean, let's be honest, uh, we only have so much time to do our own sequencing experiments, and there are hundreds and thousands of samples already done, already out there. So having them organized in a way that you can actually search is really handy. Once you've found those studies, once you've actually taken the time to dig in, this is where we want to find relevant genes. So for this example, I'm looking at atopic dermatitis, and I went ahead and picked uh, a disease versus normal data set, as well as a treatment versus control data set. So in other words, I'm looking at the signature that you would expect when things are unhealthy, meaning you have gotten worse because you have this disease. And then I'm also looking at a signature of transitioning back into wellness because the treatment is effective. And so because we have those two opposite signatures, it can really useful to narrow down the genes we're looking at. So what I mean by discovering disease condition and pathway specific biomarkers, I mean that we are currently looking at atopic dermatitis. We are looking at 
uh, dupilumab versus control. And we're also looking at a specific pathway because we're using IPA or ingenuity pathway analysis. So here, I went ahead and focused on one of the key pathways that was kind of had differential activity uh, between these two conditions. And when I focus on the genes within that pathway, I can really narrow it down to just these four candidates because they show the opposite pattern in both the disease versus normal condition, as well as the treatment versus control condition. And that can save a lot of time. Once you have those genes of interest, this is where we can build custom networks in IPA to really explore potential mechanisms of action. One of the nice things about IPA is that every single connection here is backed by literature. So this network that I've come up with from scratch, where I'm trying to connect some of those genes that I listed before, like MMP12 and uh, ALOX15 to atopic dermatitis, I'm able to find the shortest connections between these and the disease. I'm also able to simulate changes in activity. So for example, here, I've simulated an increase in ALOX15 activity. And because of that, I can see that that's leading to predicted increases in certain uh, activities of certain uh, genes. And I also see an overall decrease in my disease of interest. So this is telling me that this might be a potential mechanism. And by looking at these connections, I can see where uh, this effect is coming from and what literature backs that effect. Ultimately, all of that can then allow me to then shift back into, say, something like Omicsoft Studio and validate whether or not this gene, ALX15, is worth pursuing. Do we actually see differential expression of it in disease versus control? Or do we actually see differential expression of it uh, with treatment? And again, with Omicsoft Studio, because we've manually curated all of those data sets, the answer is yes. If I search for ALOX15 and then I'm looking for significant changes in expression of that gene, I can see that that gene is significantly higher in disease versus normal situations where we don't have treatment. And I can see that that gene is significantly reduced after dupilumab treatment. So overall, I want to show you kind of how to explore Kyogen curated content. Uh, whether it's through Omicsoft Studio or IPA, kind of how to go back and forth between them. And with that, uh, I'm hoping that we're able to use this kind of workflow to rapidly identify relevant data sets today for atopic dermatitis. But if you're following along, you might have your own disease of interest or your own treatment of interest. And once you find relevant data sets, I want to show you how to look at those comparisons, how to really dig into and find relevant biomarkers. And then finally, how to explore mechanism of action. So with that, I want to go ahead and also launch a poll just to see whether or not these are the kinds of things that you are hoping to based on uh, the, the training, uh, based on the agenda. If there is a different thing that you are hoping to see, let us know in the Q&A box so I can be sure to uh, tweak uh, the views that I show or the features that I show. So again, 
in addition to showing just that breakdown of what we want to accomplish, I also want to quickly reintroduce what I mean by curated public data and why this matters. So with that, I'll go ahead and jump into this really brief introduction. So first, public data. What does that mean and why is it a pain? Uh, and the, the simple answer is there's mistakes that people make all the time whenever they're uploading their data to GEO or to SRA. So for example, uh, we find uh, about a third of the time that there's some sort of small typo or mistake. For example, when I was a grad student and I uploaded my K562 ChipSeq, I just used Excel. I dragged and dropped and my K562 cells were now K563, K564, K565. And mistakes like that cannot always be found by a machine learning algorithm or in, uh, whenever you're using AI to ingest data. You usually need to have a scientist or at least a skilled curator manually looking over those data sets. Finally, about five to 10% of the time, there's actually something seriously wrong that's hard to detect. For example, let's say that there was a mix up between the patient identifiers in a data set that was uploaded to GEO and the initial publication. That difference would be hard to find unless you tried to reproduce their data. Or let's say that there was a follow-up publication, they found the mistake and corrected it in the new publication, but the old original publication had the wrong info. We look for that, we correct that, and whenever we have to, we reach out to authors to get that information fixed before we import it. And ultimately, we import two types of information uh, from uh, all of these studies. First, we have our curated research findings. These findings, these individual, how does a gene affect a disease or how does a gene connect to another gene? All of these let us build relationships. We can highlight pathways, map networks, discover mechanisms of action. And these kinds of things are present in IPA. We also have the curated raw omics data. So rather than looking at the interpretation of each experiment, we also have a repository where we have processed all of the data from scratch and made it easy to search across diseases and tissues to find comparisons. And in today's example, to hopefully find some biomarkers. So again, just IPA, it's built with relationships. So if we have a research publication that connects, let's say EGF to EGFR, we'll record the metadata information about those changes. And we make sure that this info is searchable, it's consistent, it's harmonized across decades of curated effort. And ultimately we can use these findings to create directional networks. So we can predict the effects of what happens when we introduce a drug like uh, this one here, which inhibits EGFR. For Omicsoft, again, this is where we're reprocessing the data from scratch. And we are making sure that all of the metadata is correct, controlled, searchable. And one of the big things about this is because we're processing everything from scratch, we're able to also process any of the comparisons within a given study. So let's say that there was a study that had several conditions. 
we can curate all of the disease versus normal uh, relationships. We can curate all of the treatment versus control, responder versus non-responder. And because we're pre-calculating those, not only are they searchable for looking for studies of interest, we also can run them through IPA. So in this case, we have around 135,000 studies where we've pre-computed these comparisons in IPA. So although the first part of today's webinar is going to be in Omicsoft Studio, it is possible to uh, approach this data in multiple ways. And some of those options are by staying in IPA. But with that, I do wanna go ahead and get into the use case. And I'm going to go ahead and show how we can use Omicsoft Studio to explore that metadata, give you guys a feel for what that metadata looks like. So to begin with, uh, what I want to introduce you to is, you know, how do you choose a database? What kind of data is present in Omicsoft? Because if there's like those 600,000 or so disease and uh, cancer relevant samples, how do you even approach that kind of daunting question? The answer is we try to break those data sets up into these collections, which we call hands. And for today's example, because we're looking at inflammatory conditions, we're going to find pretty much every non-cancer disease in this disease land collection. And this disease land collection is broken up into human, mouse, and rat disease. So today when I'm looking at Omicsoft Studio, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to open this human disease collection. Now, there are other collections that are available. So here I'm highlighting just a few of the common ones that you might be interested in. Uh, for example, normal healthy controls. We have some fantastic resources available if you're interested in looking at healthy gene expression signatures. For example, GTEx, the Genotype Tissue Expression Project, is probably one of the best resources out there for looking at solid human tissue. We also have access to Blueprint, uh, which focuses on uh, hematopoietic cells. If you want to really dig into uh, development or uh, pluripotency or things that might be controls for leukemia. <clears throat> if you happen to be uh, interested primarily in oncology and cancer, here I want to highlight that we have these two data sets that a lot of people like using. One of them is TCGA. This is kind of the gold standard, uh, the Cancer Genome Atlas. Uh, so as a consortia, they have some of the best samples out there. And they also have a lot of clinical metadata that's been curated. However, TCGA is just a small fraction of the information available. So if we wanna look at all public studies, this is where we can shift into OncoHuman. This is where we have basically every cancer study that we've curated from GEO. Ultimately, if you want to find out more about what's in all of these collections or other collections, you can also go to the help menu in Omicsoft Studio. And there you'll find these release white papers 
And this will give you information about uh, all of the documentation uh, about all of these collections. But just to summarize, if you're interested in cancer, it'll probably be in this Oncoland collection. And if you're interested in a different disease, you'll probably want to look at this disease land collection. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and just jump into Omicsoft Studio. And this is where I can see that this is the select land menu. And this is where, for example, I scroll down and I picked human disease. You'll notice some numbers after the database name, and those just correspond to the reference genome. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so in this case, the higher the number, usually the newer the database, the newer the gene, gene annotation. Once we have entered into a land, this is where we have uh, a number of interface options available to us. And just to make this a little bit easier to see, I'm going to go ahead and make my cursor into a brighter color. And I want to point out that we have two really handy uh, windows here. The first one that I'm pointing out is this Select View button. This select view is essentially going to take the type of information we have on screen and let us kind of drill down into whatever that is. So currently, uh, by default, we're looking at samples. These are all of the samples present in this disease land collection. So if we want to stay at sample level view, we can go ahead and just hit select view. If on the other hand, we want to search for a specific gene, we can do so here. And after we've searched for a gene, we can then use select view to tweak what we're looking at. But here, I want to point out that we have, in addition to samples, we also have those pre-calculated comparisons. So the first option under the select view is samples. The second one is going to be looking at comparisons. So I'm going to go ahead and click here. Now when I do that, I'm looking at these comparisons. And comparisons in uh, our parlance is essentially looking at something where it's a case versus control. And that can be things like disease versus normal, uh, sensitive versus resistant, responder versus non-responder, treatment versus control. And ultimately, we have all of this information present across all of these different tissues, across all of these different diseases. So because of that, this is where we would then narrow down to try to figure out what disease we're interested in. So to do that, we have filters that are available on this side of the screen. And here, I want to be sure that we're using the comparison filters. So I'm going to click on this tab to look at comparison filters. And this is where I can find some really handy things like what kind of case attributes are there. If I expand this case attribute section, this is where I can go ahead and limit myself to, let's say, a specific tissue or a specific disease area. So if I already know the disease I'm interested in, I can click on this case disease state 
And this is where you can see I have a huge variety of standard disease names. And so if I type in atopic dermatitis, I can find that term pretty easily. And so for today's example, I want to go ahead and select atopic dermatitis. But here, there's still a huge number of different studies out there. And so currently, I'm showing things split by skin or by the hemopoietic or lymphoid system. But we also have other metadata available. So let's say that I'm interested potentially in a treatment. If I search this metadata uh, filter field for treatment, you'll see that I have all of these options for both case and control. And the item I'm interested in looking at is this case subject treatment. So subject treatment means that we're looking at the treatment given to a research subject, meaning we're looking at clinical research data. So if I hit this filter icon under case subject treatment, here I can see that for atopic dermatitis data sets, I can focus on things like cyclosporine. I can focus on uh, things like uh, pembrolizumab. Here, uh, the thing that I want is dupilumab. So once I've selected that, we can now see that I have a much smaller number of comparisons on screen. So let's say if I highlight these treatment versus control comparisons, this is where I can go ahead and look at this table below to look at what is the metadata for this. And if I expand the comparison category, I can see these are all treatment versus control. If I expand the comparison contrast, this is giving me some of the really detailed information about what was done in these experiments. And here, I'm just going to scroll in to make that a little bit easier uh, for the audience to see. Let's see, make sure I didn't make that uh, too small or make that too big. So for some of these, I can see that I'm looking uh, either in lesional or non-lesional skin biopsies. And I can see that I'm looking at dupilumab post-treatment versus untreated, pre-treatment versus untreated. Uh, I also have a different experiment where it looks like we have some sort of uh, dose titration. So ultimately, this would be a way to go ahead and browse the metadata. And you can see in this table, there's a ton of different metadata fields. So if you would like to filter further, you can. But ultimately, this is where I am interested in using uh, these studies. So just to quickly summarize the steps that I took, the first thing that I did was I opened up Omicsoft Studio. The second thing that I did is I went to this uh, select view menu. And here, uh, I was really interested in looking at comparisons. So by selecting comparisons, I'm now looking at all of the case versus control samples within all studies in the entire human disease collection. 
Then if I filter down just for specific disease state, like atopic dermatitis, and then follow up with an additional filter for say only studies with the subject treatment uh, for dipilumab. This helped me narrow down to essentially just these two studies. And the last thing that I'm going to do is I wanna take this study and show you how to load it in IPA. So this final slide is essentially showing that within IPA, I can go to this search bar and change it to data sets and analyses. And I can use that to find many of these comparisons that are already in Omicsoft. So here, I'm going to go ahead and switch back to Omicsoft because I wanna go ahead and copy uh, this uh, item, this GSE 157194. And once I have that, I can go ahead and open up IPA. And IPA is something that I believe everyone in the audience has used, or at least many of you have. So here, I'm just gonna go ahead and close this quick start menu. And in the menu bar, you see that I have this really handy search bar, which lets us search for all of the knowledge within IPA. That knowledge includes many of the Omicsoft comparisons. So if I go to datasets and analyses, this is where I can go ahead and copy and paste over the geo study, which I can see that Tim has very helpfully posted in the chat. So here I've typed in GSE 157194. And if I hit search, this is going to bring up that specific study. And I can see all of the potential uh, pre-computed comparisons that are available. So for example, as I just click through, I can see that some of these are treatment versus control for cyclosporine pre-treatment versus untreated. Here we have some things for dupilumab. So in order to really help focus on this, this is where I can either do something like expand this comparison contrast field. And again, this metadata is the exact same metadata that we just looked at in Omicsoft Studio. The other thing that we can do is if we want to, we can customize this table. So if I want to uh, add uh, a detail like say case pathology, I can go ahead and find the case sample pathology and add that as a field. And that way I can now see which samples are lesional or non-lesional. And this can help me identify which specific uh, items I might be interested in. So for example, here I see that for this sample, I have a lesional versus non-lesional comparison. In other words, I'm looking at disease versus control. So I'm very likely to be interested in looking at this specific comparison. I'm also likely to be interested in looking at some sort of lesional treatment versus control. And here I can see that that uh, treatment, uh, post-treatment versus pre-treatment is for dipilumab. So once I've picked those two studies, I can either double click them to just simply open the study 
or if I want to, I can also add them to a comparison. And that's what I'm going to want to do for today's use case. So by clicking Add to Comparison, I can see that I now have these two studies pulled up and ready to rock for, say, a comparison analysis view. So ultimately, this is what I would click next. But again, I want to be sure that I take the time to review and show you how I got here, which in this case, I got here by going to the Datasets tab, searching for the study that I found in Omicsoft, and scrolling through the metadata to make sure that I'm looking at specific comparisons that I'm interested in. So with that, I want to go ahead and pause and see if there are any questions so far. Thank you very much, Kyle, for that uh, wonderful first part of the talk. I'm just going to launch a speed poll just to make sure that everybody is happy with the speed at which Kyle is going. So Kyle, we've had some questions regarding non-oncological um, collections. So where would scientists find collections for, let's say, cardiometabolic collections or data or HIV AIDS data? Where would uh, scientists find those? That's a great question. Um, the answer is pretty much if it's not cancer, it's probably going to be in human disease or mouse disease or rat disease. So here, I just want to go ahead and pull up this Omicsoft Studio. And I'm going to go ahead and just clear the filters that are in place, because I just want to show that for the disease categories, we have a huge variety of different diseases, like cardiovascular diseases was one of the questions. Uh, we also have things that are related to HIV. If we search here under disease state, and I search for HIV. Here I can see a variety of specific complications as well as uh, HIV uh, infection itself. So essentially, if you want to look at a disease sample, it's probably in human disease. Great. Thank you very much, Kyle, for that uh, answer and for the demonstration. Another question came up in regards to harmonizing the data and whether there is any batch effect corrections across studies. So does Omicsoft, um, when we process the data, does Omicsoft do any batch effects correction? That's a great question. So the answer is we don't because there are issues doing so between some of the more complicated cell types. But what we do have is, first, we normalize all of the FPKM values to 70th percent uh, normalization. So at least they are cross-comparable that way. But also, when we're looking at comparisons, these comparisons are always within a study. So because of that, we don't have to worry about batch differences between studies. Great. So there are a couple of questions in regards to how to access the window of Omicsoft from IPA, or if customers don't have Omicsoft Studio at the moment, are there other ways of accessing relevant studies um, similar to kind of the Omicsoft interface through IPA? Uh, there, the answer is yes, there are some other ways that we can go about this. One option that everyone should have is when you go to this dataset and analysis tab in IPA, in addition to searching for, say, this study, 
I can also search for the disease here. So here I'm going to type in atopic dermatitis and hit search and hope that my spelling is good. But by doing this, this should give me quite a few of these atopic dermatitis data sets. Uh, in this case, I got 851 results. And from that, I would then filter down using all of these columns that are available or customize the table to really take advantage of all of this metadata using, again, the same controlled vocabulary. An option that some of you might have is also this Kyogen Land Explorer. This is essentially a web interface that can be used to look at Omicsoft Studio. And so if I happen to launch this, this should give me the ability to view uh, a web interface for the same uh, data. And then from there, this is where I can go ahead and say, select uh, a land like human disease. Uh, and then from there, further search for those studies of interest. Great. Well, thank you very much for that wonderful answer and that and that demonstration. I can see from the speed feedback that uh, the majority of you in the attendees um, find this current pace is great. So thank you, Kyle, for going at, at that pace. Keep the questions coming in the Q&A box. Kristen is, and, and I are diligently, and Brittany are diligently answering those questions. And I know you have more things to cover, Kyle, so back to you. Awesome, thank you, Tim. And likewise, I know that the things that I'm showing today may be a bit complicated, especially the first time you do them. So just a reminder, if you need follow-up help, feel free to shoot us an email. Uh, we're happy to arrange some sort of follow-up training to try to get you up and running, even if it's like a month or two from now. So now I'm going to go ahead and shift into looking at the comparison analysis, trying to get the most out of the study that we're looking at. So now that we've selected a study, how do we look at it? So here, I'm just quickly going back to IPA because I'm going to search again for GSE. 157194. And in this case, I already added it to these analyses to compare the two that I was interested in. So I could just simply hit view comparison here. So I'm glad I did that. So I don't have to find them again in this list. This next window is where we're actually looking at IPA results. So I believe many of you have already done uh, core analysis or some of the other features in IPA. And for those people, this will be very similar. You can see that we have canonical pathways, upstream analyses, and downstream disease and functions, all arranged in these tabs at the top, just like you would expect. For people who are new to IPA, uh, again, we have the ability to look at these pathways, but the big thing that I wanna point out is that inside of IPA, we have a few different colors. First, if you have an observation, say a change in gene expression between your comparison, your case versus control, 
those are always going to be shown in red and green. So red means an increase in, uh, say, gene level or protein level, and green means a decrease. But the point is, these are things that you observed, or uh, later on, I'll show you how to simulate an observation. What this does is it will cause downstream effects where it, that uh, increase or decrease in a gene could lead to increase or decrease in activity of a pathway of neighboring genes, of targets. And so whenever we are predicting a change in activity that happened because of an observation, we're showing those predictions in orange and blue, where orange is a predicted increase in activity and blue is a predicted inhibition of activity. And here, because the first view is canonical pathways, we are looking at all of our curated pathways and we are looking at our two different conditions. This first condition is a lesional versus non-lesional disease versus control. So again, disease versus normal. And then our second condition is where we're looking at dipilumab post-treatment versus pre-treatment. So in other words, we're looking at treatment versus control. And so we should ultimately see uh, opposite effects for these items. So now that we have just an understanding of what the colors are, the next thing is going to be, how do we sort this graph? There are a ton of pathways here. This is complicated. We have a few options. In this control box at the top, we have the ability to filter our pathways based on, say, criteria like significance. We also have the ability to sort these pathways. By default, we're sorting by score. But something that I personally really enjoy, and I think that uh, this is useful to many of you too, is this hierarchical clustering option. And if I select this clustering option, this is going to now group these pathways based on those differences, based on patterns between the disease versus normal and between the treatment versus control. So again, just kind of briefly scrolling, I can see already that at the top, there's these huge uh, immune response pathways. We have T-cell receptor signaling. We have pathogen-induced cytokine storm signaling. We have IL-4 signaling. So if we wanted to filter, we also can go to filter. And this is where we have the option to uh, add in other criteria. Say, for example, uh, let's say we wanted to limit ourselves to signaling pathways and not metabolic pathways we could easily redo our uh, view so we eliminate metabolism and only focus on signaling. So that would be one option for filtering. We also have the ability to say add cutoffs. So say if I want to have a Z-score cutoff, 
a z-score, meaning the predicted change in activity for that pathway. I could also add this here too. But as is, I'm going to reset the filter. Here in the results, I want to just show what these pathways look like. So first, I want to click on this IL-4 signaling result. So when I click on this IL-4 signaling, I can see that for the disease versus normal, we have a really strong orange value, meaning that we're predicting an increase in this pathways activity. And by clicking on this box on the heat map, I'm actually opening up this pathway, which I can then scroll into and really see what are some of the observed effects and what are some of the predicted consequences. So for example, I can see that Jack uh, 3, uh, this kinase appears to be up in our observation. And I can also see some key cytokines and genes downstream like MMP12, CCL11. I can see that some of these are also increased. If I click on the other entry, in this case, if I click on the uh, treatment versus control box, this is going to also open up the same pathway, but show me how to overlay that data. And here we can see that in the treatment versus control situation, some of those genes that were shared are now down, like MMP12 is down. Um, however, other genes, although they're predicted to be decreased in activity, they weren't actually observed to be down in this condition. So like CCL11 is predicted to be down in activity, but we didn't actually observe it. It's a prediction, which is why it's in blue. Now, this, this is a lot of genes. So one of the questions that I often get from scientists like you is, how do I really narrow down for a given pathway? How do I go ahead and filter this so that I'm just looking at genes that I care about? And to do that, we have the ability to open up this gene heat map. So here, if I have a pathway that I'm interested in, and this pathway has resulted in a uh, differential uh, change in activity, or even if it happens to be the same uh, activity, we can use this gene heat map to go ahead and view across both of these conditions what the uh, gene actually is doing. What are the observations that are shared? So here, once again, I can go ahead and use hierarchical clustering. And this time, here we're looking only at genes in the IL-4 signaling pathway. We are still looking at disease versus normal, as well as treatment versus control. And now for these specific genes, I'm able to look at this heat map and I can see examples of genes where they were up in disease versus normal and down in treatment versus control. So because of this, this is where I can identify these four genes as being potential biomarkers. These genes are disease specific because they are up 
significantly in disease versus control. They are treatment specific because they are specifically down after dupilumab treatment versus an untreated disease normal. And they're also pathway specific. These genes are part of the IL-4 signaling pathway, which is a pathway that we uh, might know to be important in inflammatory conditions. So this can really help narrow down and find some specific genes that we can use. You don't have to limit your search just to one pathway. You can also look at other pathways. You can also, if you want to, look at some of these other features in IPA, if we want to, say, look at shared upstream regulators. But overall, just to reiterate what I've shown, is we've used comparison analysis, and we've taken a pathway that we know is important, and we looked at the gene heat map to identify these four genes as being disease-specific, treatment-specific, and pathway-specific. So again, Tim has very helpfully pasted them in the chat. And then the next question is, how do we actually use these? How do we get something out of them? So for the next part of the talk, I want to show you how to create a network from scratch. And to do that, we're going to go back to the search bar, except this time, rather than searching for data sets and analyses, we're going to search for the genes we just identified. We could simply paste those genes in and hit search, but something I want to show you to save time is this advanced search toolbar. So with that, I'm going to actually switch back to the software. So I can go ahead and just show you that very quickly. So here, if I want to search for genes and chemicals, this is where I could theoretically just simply type in just one of the genes one at a time, like this ALLX15. And if I happen to search for just this one gene, this is going to give me all of IPA's knowledge that we have on this gene. And in this case, this is giving us the gene, this is giving us the related subtype, this is giving us a pseudogene, and it's also giving us some other relevant items. So if we're building a network, that might not be quite what we want, especially when we just really want to get four genes and add them to our network. So if I happen to paste these four in, what I want to do to speed up is to show you this advanced search button. So here, if I click on advanced search, I can now specify what the identifier type is. So if you happen to be pasting in ensemble IDs, you can limit yourself just to ensemble. Uh, or here, because these are human gene symbols, I'm just going to select human gene symbol. And if we wanted to further limit ourselves just to say entries that were related to a specific disease or genes that were part of a specific subcellular location, we could add additional filters here. But right now, I've pasted my four genes into the gene and chemical search. I clicked advanced search and I told it that we are using human gene symbols. And then I'm going to go ahead and hit this search button. 
And by doing this, this is going to give me specific results that save me time. So now, rather than dealing with all of the related entries, my search results just have these four genes, the four genes I searched for. And now that I've found these genes, I can go ahead and click this button at the top to add them to a pathway. So here, if I click Add to Pathway, I'm going to select New My Pathway. And what this is going to do is it's going to give me a blank canvas where I have these four genes on it ready to go. So again, just to summarize what I did, I pasted in my genes and chemicals. Instead of hitting search, I clicked on advanced search and I specified that I wanted to look at gene symbols. If you want to save these special searches, you can, and then you can just recall them from these save search options here. Now, this blank canvas, this is great. I see that I have these four genes, but what I really wanna do is find out how these genes are mechanistically linked to atopic dermatitis. I know they're in the IL-4 pathway, but I don't necessarily know how these genes influence the disease yet. So because of that, I'm also going to go back to the search bar. And this time I wanna search for a disease. So here, if I search under diseases and functions, I can search for atopic dermatitis. And you'll see that I have a lot of entries here and I'm going to go ahead and hit search. And this is going to give me a new search window with the diseases that I'm interested in. Now, when looking at this, you see we have kind of a tree view that ranges from the basic disease, in this case, just atopic dermatitis, and then we have additional subtypes like severe atopic dermatitis, moderate atopic dermatitis, mild, refractory, et cetera. I also have subconditions like chronic or familiar, uh, so on and so forth. For today's example, I'm going to be interested in looking at the most general atopic dermatitis entry, which is this first one. And the way that I know that this is the most general entry is because I can see the associated molecules. Molecules in this case is what IPA calls network nodes, which can be genes, chemicals, proteins, et cetera. So this first atopic dermatitis entry has 458 associated genes and chemicals. So I'm going to go ahead and select this one and I'm going to add it to my pathway. And because my pathway is already open, I'm going to select new my pathway one, which is the name of the pathway that I just opened. When I do this, it's going to ask me, do I want to load just the disease or do I wanna add all 458 of these genes and chemicals? And the answer is I just want the disease. So when this window pops up, just hit okay. And by doing that, we now have atopic dermatitis on our canvas. So this is how we set the stage when building a network. We have 
our players, which are our four genes, as well as our disease. But now the question is, how are they linked? So to answer that, we need to go ahead and use some of IPA's network building tools. So when building a network, we need to go to this build button. And if I click this build button, this is going to give me the following options. I have grow, which is great if I want to say, take a single gene or a selected item and say, hey, what's upstream or downstream of this item? There's Path Explorer, which is what we're going to use today. Path Explorer lets you see how is item A connected to item B. So that can be between two genes, or it can be, in this case, between one group and our disease of interest. And then finally, we have this connect option, which simply takes everything on screen and shows you how to connect it. But again, I want to select Path Explorer because I want to see how these four genes are linked to atopic dermatitis. So to do this, I just need to highlight and select these four genes, and I'm going to add them to this set A. And then likewise, I'm going to highlight atopic dermatitis and add this to set B. So essentially, we're calling this set A, we're calling this set B, and now we're looking for any connections in any direction. If we want to, we can limit ourselves just to uh, one direction. We can also limit ourselves to say direct or indirect connections. And then we also have a number of filters that we can use. So for example, let's say that I scroll down. If I want to limit myself to just certain node types, or in other words, if I want to limit myself just to genes or chemicals, I can go here to uncheck things like uh, chemicals or biological drugs. I know something that some researchers uh, like filtering out, for example, uh, would be like microRNAs. So here, if I scroll down to the microRNAs, I can go ahead and make sure that my results don't include mature microRNAs or just precursor microRNAs. But ultimately, if it's a gene or a protein, it's in this list. And so because of that, I can go ahead and hit apply. And again, we're now looking at the shortest paths between these four genes and atopic dermatitis. And here I can see that we've identified 47 shortest paths. So if I happen to say, move these a little bit apart, just to make it a little bit easier to look at this, I can check all of these and hit add to my pathway. And you can see that IPA can very quickly add these to the pathway. Now, if we wanted to say filter this knowledge even further, we have the ability to also find other connections. 
For example, something that a lot of people might be interested in is this tissue and cell line filter. Here, this is where you can limit the connections based on where that knowledge was obtained. So for example, if I uncheck this, I can require that whatever relationships I find have to be found, say, in a primary cell or tissue, an organ system, and then I could select skin, for example. And if I scroll down a little bit further, you can see I also have the ability to select cell lines. But as is, I can require uh, either a stringent filter or a relaxed filter for whatever connection I find to be actually discovered in an actual human skin biopsy or a mouse or uh, a rat biopsy, essentially. And here, if I do that, I can see that there is known connections. There are known connections between MMP12, a transcription factor called NRF2, and then those would connect through CCL20, CXCL8, and IL1B. So if I want to, I can also add these to the pathway as well. And just dragging that off to the side, this uh, shows me uh, that I have this connection here as well. So just kind of scrolling out a little bit, this pathway is, is kind of hard to see. Uh, you see I have these dark lines everywhere. You can't see the font. This network is a bit scary. So the other thing that I wanted to be sure to show was how can we clean this network up? And this is where I want to show these options in the menu bar. One of these options is the path tracer. So this menu gives us the option to fade these edges. So in other words, if I check this, I can now make these edges as translucent or transparent as I would like. And this can help make things easier to see. Another option is we have some automatic options to change layout. For example, here under this layout menu, something that many people will pick is, you know, you can select organic, which helps organize things into hubs. Uh, you can choose things like circular, radial. Uh, the hierarchical one uh, is sometimes better than others, but one that is almost always useful uh, in my experience with customers is this subcellular view. And what this subcellular view does is it groups everything into the compartments where you would normally find these genes or proteins. And we have this handy other box on the side, which is where uh, things that aren't in the cell are found, things like atopic dermatitis. So again, we can use this path tracer option to fade edges to make things easier to read. We can also use this change layout to go ahead and select something like subcellular. And then after we do that, we still have the ability to manually move things around, but at least this gives us a better way to start. And then finally, if we happen to have certain genes that we are really interested in, we can select them and say, change the font size. So here I'm going to go ahead and make 
these three genes, or in this case, these two genes in this disease, bigger and easier to see. I believe we also had uh, COL6A6, and there is also COL6A5. Those were also part of our original search. So I'll make those big as well. So here, just to summarize what we've done so far, I took these genes and I went ahead and searched them uh, in the genes and chemical search. And I used the advanced search tools to limit myself to gene symbols to speed things up. I also went to disease and functions and searched for atopic dermatitis. You can also search for anything else that you're interested in. If you want to search for a drug or a pathway, we can always add those things to the network as well. Then I used a tool called Path Explorer, which can be found by going to Build and then Path Explorer. And what I used this for was to find all of the shortest connections between these four genes and atopic dermatitis. And again, as a reminder, I can use the filters here to limit myself to consider things like only genes and proteins. Or if I want to, I can also add filters such as this skin filter to limit myself only to knowledge obtained in primary cells uh, or primary tissue biopsies. Finally, I wanted to be sure to show how we're able to manipulate these networks to make an otherwise complex network a lot easier to interpret. So here I used the change layout and the path tracer options to help simplify these networks. So first I went ahead and changed layout to subcellular. And then I also made sure to make uh, the relationship lines slightly transparent. So this gives us an excellent starting point for our next step, uh, which would be to go ahead and simulate changes in activity. But before I do that, I want to again take a moment to stop and ask if there are any questions so far. Thank you very much, Kyle. And what I'm going to do now is launch a poll to get feedback for Soft. And I'm also going to paste in the chat box a link to the post-training survey so that we can collect additional feedback from you. So Kyle, one of the participants asked about the comparison analysis and looking at the different comparison where one has a high Z score and the other did not. How can we consider those two pathways side by side then? Uh, that's a good question. So in this case, uh, if we want to look at that comparison analysis again, this is where uh, something that I'm able to do if I want to is I can limit myself only to significant z-score changes, say an absolute value cutoff of two. And when I do this, I can see that IL-4 signaling is still significant. Um, though in this case, uh, it does have a only significant z-score in the first condition, but not the second one. So in this kind of situation, we are still going from a major change to 
still have a slight change after. Ultimately, though, in this kind of situation, we would also want to seek out additional examples where the differences are a bit more clear. Uh, let's say if we wanted to seek out uh, some of these other pathways, or we can also go to the upstream analyses and try to, rather than looking at the full pathways, this is where we can find, for example, this IL-4 pathway, where we're looking just at the regulators associated with IL-4. And in this case, although the overall pathway might not have significantly decreased, um, at least here, the activity for IL-4 was predicted to significantly decrease. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to pull up the gene heat map just to see if we get the same targets. But were there uh, any other questions? So in addition to, to the hierarchical clustering and the comparison analysis, one user asked if it's possible to use their own custom pathways for IPA. Uh, that's a great question. And that answer is yes. Um, in this case, the way that we would go about uh, adding those is you could go ahead and say, for example, save the custom pathway that you created. So right now, for example, I'm making this custom pathway. And when I'm done creating it, if I save it and approve it for use, it'll actually show up in your My Pathway results. So in addition to canonical pathways, you can also look at your own custom pathways and see how the data in your experiments uh, corresponded. In this case, no statistically significant results. And this is typical because the only pathways I have saved are for Alzheimer's disease. Great. Thank you. And what if, if it's possible to do path explorer, since we've been building networks and such, for two different genes, so between two different genes? Uh, yes. So if I'm understanding your question, um, Right now, the main thing I did was I used Path Explorer to go from these genes to this disease. And you're asking, can we use Path Explorer to say, go from this gene to this gene? Or if I wanted to go from a drug to a disease, mm -hmm. uh, basically, can I use anything? Yeah, exactly. Um, gotcha. And that answer is yes. So for example, if I go back to this build tool, here, you can see that I'm still in Path Explorer. If I want to go ahead and look for any connection uh, for a gene between, uh, let's say I want to look at uh, NRF2, uh, also known as NFE2L2 in human. So here, I'm going to go ahead and just clear this out. So NFE2L2, and then Let's say that there is another thing that I know is going to be uh, important, like IL-4. If I want to look at the connections between NRF2 and IL-4, again, even though that's a gene and a gene, I can just add those connections, look for any of the shortest paths between them. And here, uh, it appears that there is a known direct interaction, or by direct, I mean uh, a way to connect them 
in this case, it's not a protein-protein interaction, but if I double-click this relationship, uh, this looks to be uh, a clear expression uh, and localization relationship where activation of NRF2 uh, increases production of mouse IL-4. Mm -hmm. And likewise, it appears that we also can influence the localization of IL-4. But, cool. but yes, if, uh, if you want to look at any gene-gene connection, you can. If you want to look at, uh, say, a drug to a disease, you can. Um, there is a lot of information uh, that's available here. Excellent. Thank you, Kyle. And one last question uh, before we move on, because I know there are some attendees um, interested in the overlay and the molecule activity predictor function. Can we add canonical pathways to my pathway, preserving all of the graphics and layouts, but then edit it so that we can add new molecules and new relationships to that canonical pathways? That's a great question. Um, I'm almost secretly wondering if the person who asked that uh, has uh, used IPA before and run into this specific problem. There is a way to do it. Uh, so here, let me go ahead and load up uh, an example of a canonical pathway. So that IL-4 signaling. If I happen to search for IL-4 signaling, This is going to let me open up that canonical pathway. And then the question is, can I take that pathway and save it as a custom pathway so that I can then edit it, so that I can then add things to it? Because those are things that you can't necessarily do in a canonical pathway view. The answer is yes. You'll notice that right now I have this beautiful layout where our curators have taken the time to position everything perfectly. But I can't save it. This save option is grayed out. This is the, the secret tip. If you take one of the things on screen and you click it and say, try to wiggle it, now all of a sudden we have the ability to save it. So because I attempted to say, select some of the nodes on screen, uh, so in this case, like I can select uh, the steroid, try to move it around. Now I can save this as a custom pathway. So here, for example, I'm going to save it into this client data IL-4 signaling pathway. And once I save it, it's now a custom pathway. And because it's a custom pathway, uh, I have the ability to say close and reopen it and then once I have reopened it, I can now edit it. So again, great question. It's something that some people run into. And this just shows you that it is possible to go ahead and reopen one of these as a custom My Pathway. And once you've done so, you're now able to alter many of the things here. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Kyle, for that demonstration. And thank you to the attendees for asking excellent questions. Feel free to uh, continue to ask them in the Q&A box. And with that, I'll pass it back to you, uh, Kyle, to wrap up and finish the last section of today's webinar. Awesome. Thank you, Tim. So for the last part of today's webinar, I showed you the build tools for how to build a custom network. Um, 
in this case, I want to also show you the overlay tools for how to overlay data. So for this next tool, I want to show you how do you simulate predictions and activity change. So here, for example, just because I have it open, I want to take this IL-4 signaling pathway. And if I go to overlay, this overlay is where I can find a number of these options to overlay things like relevant drugs or potential diseases and functions. But these first two options are the ones that I want to mention. This first one, analyses, datasets, and lists, is where you can pick your own data with its own change values and overlay that on any other network. This second one, molecule activity predictor. This is where we're actually going to create activity predictions. So here, if I select overlay and then molecule activity predictor, this is going to give me these paint buckets where I can use this to paint any molecule green to simulate a decrease, or I can paint any molecule red to simulate an increase. So for example, if I paint IL-4 red in this IL-4 signaling pathway, I am now forcing IPA to predict what would happen if IL-4 was increased. And because of that, IPA is predicting an increase in all of these downstream functions. It's predicting an inhibition of apoptosis. And otherwise, we're expecting uh, increases in things like allergic response, polarization of macrophages, et cetera. If we're looking at our custom network, the one that we just built, this is where we can also look at some really cool things. So here again, if I go to overlay, molecule activity predictor, let's say I want to simulate an increase in MMP12. And if I simulate that increase in MMP12, here I can see that IPA is predicting that that would affect TNF, CSF2, MMP13, and CCL5. And ultimately, that would lead to an increase in atopic dermatitis. So this would be a really bad treatment option. If on the other hand, I wanted to decrease MMP12, I can see that that's now simulating and predicting a decrease in atopic dermatitis function. But again, it's using those factors there. So MMP12, uh, despite it being a, a hub, didn't seem to touch a lot of things. But let's say, for example, that I decrease ALOX15. This is affecting many more genes. And something that is really interesting is that I can see that decreasing ALOX15 uh, actually might be leading to this increase in atopic dermatitis. But if I increase ALOX15, this is leading to this predicted decrease effect. So this is already something that's really interesting because it's implying that there, if this is the only change that's happening, there uh, might be some sort of way to link this and these genes on screen uh, to come up with some sort of mechanism of action. So just to summarize this specific point, 
the way that we edited this network is we went to molecule activity predictor, which is in the overlay menu. And we use this to simulate changes in biomarker activity. Specifically, we use the paint buckets to paint individual nodes to simulate the changes. So if we simulated a decrease in MMP12, that led to a predicted decrease in atopic dermatitis. And we had the inverse relationship with ALOX15 uh, and atopic dermatitis. So the final thing that I want to do is show how do you get more information about what ALOX15 is doing? Can we go ahead and look at the tissue-specific information? Can we look at differential expression across all comparisons for ALOX15? Because this guy looks weird and interesting. So to do that, the answer is yes, we can do this in Omicsoft. Here, I'm showing a similar view to before, except this time I searched for the gene ALOX15 first. So I'll come back to the summary slide in a minute, but let me shift back to the software. So here, once again, I wanna go ahead and clear my filters because in this case, I don't think we're interested in looking at HIV at the moment. We wanna look at inflammatory conditions. So here, this is where Again, we're still in human disease land. So the next thing to do is going to be search for our gene. So I type in ALOX15, and here I'm just going to hit enter. Normally it would autocomplete, but if it doesn't, just hit the enter key, it'll work itself out. Once I do that, I now am going to have specific views that correspond just to looking at gene expression data. So here, for example, this initial view is showing us disease versus normal comparisons for how ALOX15 is expressed differentially across all of these different human diseases. So evidently, for example, uh, ALOX15 is significantly up in gastrointestinal disease. So that's kind of cool. However, we want to filter this down. So this is where I can go ahead and go to case attributes. And here I'm going to show that we can use this case tissue, for example, to limit ourselves to say just skin. And so by looking only in skin tissue, we're now looking at the variety of different diseases uh, that happen to uh, be involved here uh, in skin with differential expression of ALOX15. The other thing that I want to do is I want to show that for disease state, this again is where I want to shift back to atopic dermatitis. So I'm going to go ahead and add that to my filters. And I can now see that at least in a few of these disease samples, uh, there was a significant increase of ALOX15 expression in the disease condition. And if I want to learn more about any one of these dots, I can always highlight it. And this is where I can see, for example, that there was a significant increase for atopic dermatitis that was lesional versus relative normal controls. As I mentioned, Whenever we search for a gene, 
it's going to change the views that we have. So if I go to select view this time, this is where I have a number of different comparisons that are available. We're currently looking at the disease versus normal comparisons, but what I wanna focus on and show you is this all comparison view, because this can be really cool. If I select all comparisons, now I can see that I have quite a variety of different comparisons that are available that both increase and decrease. Right now though, we're currently looking at kind of not a very useful vertical axis. Uh, to change this, this is where I can go to this task tab. So in Omicsoft, whenever you want to change the grouping or subgrouping, one of the menus that you often want to go to is specify profile columns. That might be a little tricky to remember, but just uh, remember it's the second option under the task tab. And again, you can always look at the slides that I sent out uh, for reference material. Currently, everything is grouped by sample source. But if I want to change this, let's say I want to group all of these comparisons based on, uh, let's say, treatment. This is where I can go ahead and select, say, something like case subject treatment. And I can remove sample source. So now by doing this, I have searched for subject treatment. And so all of these are going to get sorted by that. And if I hit OK, this has now split up all of my atopic dermatitis significant comparisons. So now here I have situations where I have uh, no treatment and I saw a significant increase in this gene. Something that's really, really interesting is cyclosporine showed a significant increase in this gene. Dupilumab, however, showed a significant decrease in this gene. So if I want to look at the dupilumab results, this is where, again, I can pull up these results and see that for dupilumab, post-treatment versus untreated, all of these are showing a significant decrease in the uh, gene. Whereas if I'm pulling up uh, this cyclosporine conditional, uh, if I'm looking at post or pre-treatment, I can see that there are some increases, but in this case with caveats, where we're looking at either pre-treatment lesional versus non-lesional, which in this case is not really a treatment, or we're looking at uh, post-treatment versus pre-treatment in uh, the control samples. So the treatment itself led to an increase in this gene. So just to summarize, if we're really interested in focusing on a specific gene and we want to expand back out, Omicsoft Studio is a great place to do it because we have all of this metadata and all of these interesting comparisons that are pre-calculated. So just going back to the slide to summarize what I did, First, I searched for ALOX15. I changed the view to look at all comparisons. I filtered for atopic dermatitis and skin. 
And then under specify profile columns, this is where I changed the grouping of this figure uh, from sample source to instead be subject treatment. And because of that, I'm able to see differences where uh, without treatment, this gene is normally up in some of these comparisons. Whereas with dupilumab, I can see that this gene frequently goes down. So overall, what I showed today was kind of a quick tour for how we can look at inflammatory conditions and then really investigate them. So we started in Omicsoft in order to find the studies that we were interested in based on that metadata search criteria. And then we shifted to IPA where uh, we really dug into that study. We compared both the canonical pathways and the upstream regulators to kind of look at differences in IL-4 signaling and the genes that were specifically different uh, between both our disease versus normal and our treatment versus no treatment for dupilumab. Once we had those biomarkers of interest, we built a custom network to kind of explore potential mechanisms of action. And once I found a really interesting gene that I wanted to follow up on, that's where I shifted back to Omicsoft in order to really validate what the biomarker expression was across a number of different conditions, a number of different diseases, research subjects, et cetera. So overall, I hope you found that valuable. And again, if you have any questions in the future about using Omicsoft Studio or IPA, uh, feel free to schedule a follow-up or a one-on-one -on -one training. Just shoot me an email uh, or shoot my car colleague Kartik an email, and we'd be happy to set that up. Otherwise, uh, as Tim mentioned, we really value your feedback. So if there was a use case that maybe you want us to really dive into, we would love to hear it so we can make future trainings based on what you want. Um, are there any other questions? Well, thank you very much, Kyle, for that lovely webinar on Omicsoft and IPA. So one question that, uh, that came to my mind um, as we allow attendees to type their questions in the Q&A boxes, it seems like it's a common use case where we're trying to connect between genes that we found in Omicsoft to a particular disease state to build a network. So is it is there pre-built networks for these mechanisms of action uh, within Omic within IPA that's already uh, pre-designed, pre-built, so that customers can access those? Yes. So it uh, it turns out that we have uh, we have many pre-built networks. So in addition to building your own networks from scratch, if you want a starting point, just a list of potential genes to get started on in any disease. Uh, we have uh, what we call our ingenuity inferred networks, where in this case, uh, we went ahead and used our knowledge base to try to identify the most relevant uh, connections for uh, several diseases. So for example, if I go back to IPA, we can find these inferred networks in one of two ways. One option is if I scroll down in the project manager to these ingenuity inferred networks. And here you can see that I have all sorts of networks for all of the different letters of the alphabet. Say if I expand out A, 
I have all of these different diseases. Uh, and here I'm looking for atopic dermatitis. There it is. If I double click this, this is actually going to be a network that IPA, uh, the IPA team has pre-assembled. And in this case, we have these connections that we've prioritized based on machine learning. But otherwise, if it's a connection, it's literature based. It's just that we happen to prioritize based on what we think might be involved in uh, upregulating and downregulating the disease connect, uh, condition. The other place to search for them would again be the pathway search bar. Excellent. Great. Well, thank you very much for that demonstration. And I think we've covered the overlay function. There were two questions in regard to overlay, whether how to predict the, the, the pathway, how to color those molecules, and how to overlay a particular data set to overlay the flow chain. So we've covered those. So with that, we are at the uh, half of the hour. So um, we'll just wait for a couple more seconds to see if there are, are any lingering questions. Um, that people are typing, thinking about. So uh, thank you very much to the attendees for attending today's webinar. Thank you, Kyle, for that lovely webinar on Omicsoft and IPA. Thank you, Kristen and Brittany, for sticking around and helping out with the Q&A box. We've had a lot of scientific as well as licensing questions as well. And hopefully this is not the last time that we'll see you in one of our Pyogen webinars or one-on-ones feel free to contact and reach out to Kyle. Feel free to reach out to our technical scientific support as well as our sales and licensing team as well. So we'll give it a couple more seconds. And, uh, and with that, thank you very much, everybody. A couple more seconds, and then we will end the seminar today. So have a- Thank you, Deb. All right, thank you for that feedback to the attendee. We thank you for joining us today. Um, I don't see any questions popping up uh, in the chat box or the Q&A. So once again, I will go ahead and end today's webinar.